Welcome to the official ABA Law Student Podcast, where we talk about issues that affect law students and recent grads. From finals and graduation to the bar exam and finding a job, this show is your trusted resource for the next big step. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ABA's Law Student Podcast. I'm so excited. First of all, yesterday was my last day of law school, but we're going to have like an excellent conversation today. I'm super excited because we have Molly Rands. She is a licensed professional counselor. She's the director for Lawyers and Judges Assistance Program with the State Bar of Michigan. And we are going to have, I'm hoping I'm going to get me like a good Oprah moment out of this. I'm going to cry. I'm going to be so ready to get out all of these emotions just in time to get ready for the bar. So um, welcome, Molly. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. Like you have no idea my my mental state. So can you tell me what you actually do? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, I am a licensed professional counselor and I'm an internationally certified addictions therapist. And I am the director of the Lawyers and Judges Assistance Program at the State Bar of Michigan. I have been with that program for the past, gosh, almost 12 years. Um, and I've been in the director role since July of 2020. So stepped in right in the midst of the pandemic, which was very interesting. Ooh, you got some raw emotion. Yeah. So, But our program does a lot of things. We offer services to law students and to lawyers and to judges. And, you know, we offer services to those that are dealing with mental health or substance use issues, you know, anxiety reduction, stress management, but we also help those who are really just looking to maximize their overall well-being. So there there doesn't need to be a problem to contact LJAP and utilize our services. Good deal. Now, you work exclusively in the legal field, correct? That is correct. Yep. So we offer service to, to law students, to bar applicants, um, to lawyers and to judges. We also do free consultations for, you know, concerned parties or their family members, um, but always tied back to the legal profession. Okay. So you talked about the first thing that just popped out in my head. You talked about bar applicants. So I am essentially a bar applicant. I take the bar exam this July. How does the process work of me coming to you to help my mental state during bar prep? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So first of all, congratulations on you know, finishing you. law school and being a bar Thank applicant. You. you get to change your title from law student to bar applicant, which is really exciting. Um, so like I said, we offer free consultations for legal professionals, for their families. We do essentially free short-term counseling for law students. Um, we provide evaluations, we refer folks to properly trained, credentialed, and you know, effective providers, and we do free virtual support groups for both lawyers and law students. Um, and a large part of what I do is professional presentations or educational training. So I'm in the law schools a lot talking to students about how to maximize their wellness, how to take care of themselves during these really stressful times. Um, so if you wanted to use our services, you can um, just simply call us up. You can find us online or email our contact LJAP email address, and we would be happy to, to get you the help that you need. Good deal. So what do the programs for a bar applicant look like? Like, am I going to fill out an application and then I get that consultation and then I'm able to do therapy or how does that like work um, logistically? Yeah, great question. So 
how that works, we have a lot of people, I mean, I spend a lot of time on the phone with students, bar applicants, lawyers, judges who call up and they're just, they're having a hard time. You know, they may not even know what it is exactly that's going on. And so we have a conversation, you know, tell me about what's going on. And, you know, that consultation is really that first step into trying to figure out what resource they might need. And that can go a lot of different directions. So from that conversation, if somebody, a student, for example, is looking for, you know, low cost or essentially free counseling services, the first step in that would be setting them up for an assessment so that they can meet with one of our clinicians and we can make a determination of whether or not, you know, that's going to be a good fit. Now, do I need to be a Michigan resident or apply for the Michigan bar to have this access or is it anybody? So we offer services to Michigan lawyers, Michigan students, but we are always willing to get people to the right place. So if you call me from California, we will make sure that you get connected with the California Lawyers Assistance Program. So most every state in the country has what we call a LAP or a Lawyers Assistance Program. And, you know, there's a saying, if you know one lap, you know one lap. Um, We're kind of all like snowflakes. We do a little bit different things. um, But our main goal is certainly to, you know, help law students, help lawyers and help judges thrive. So I see a lot of memes and I'm, I'm already preparing myself for the stress that the bar brings. Do Mm -hmm. you find that getting ready for this bar prep time is on the same level as 1L year, as in a mental state, or is it a beast of its own? So, Demario, that's an interesting question. I hear the same things from my 1Ls, as 2Ls, as 3Ls, as, you know, my junior associates and my, you know, lawyers that have been in the field a little bit longer. And that is, you know, if I can only get through this one thing. Oh, listen, I, I'm sorry <laughs> to interrupt you. Like, no, you're fine. Yesterday I was my last day, and they... Um, administration sprung a emergency meeting on me and I literally just had I I couldn't sleep last night I had Mm -hmm. anxiety like Mm -hmm. just prepping for this meeting and I'm just Mm -hmm. like if I can just get through this one portion and I haven't even taken finals yet but I'm like Mm -hmm. if I can just get through this meeting Mm -hmm. I'll feel so much better so I guess it's all relative to where you are That's right. And so, you know, what I do, and I'm in the law schools, each of Michigan's five law schools uh, quite a bit, you know, is talking about and and talking about this within the firms and, you know, with regulators and in the courts and in local and affinity bars, you know, we really need to learn how to deal with that stress and that anxiety. So we're not always looking for the ability to get through this one thing, because what I have found in doing this work over the past decade is that there's always one thing, you know, there's always going to be that one thing. And unfortunately getting that, that P number in Michigan or, you know, becoming a licensed attorney, it doesn't disappear. The stress and the strain doesn't disappear. And, you know, mild stress, mild anxiety, that can be helpful and productive, right? I mean, I'm I'm talking to somebody who just, you know, is finishing law school. You're a high achiever. You know, you have accomplished a significant amount to sit in the seat that you're that you're in. And so my assumption is you've experienced stress or anxiety to some level and that that's been motivating for you. Yeah. Um, the problem is when it becomes, you know, moderate to chronic and it's not going away. How do we know when it's gotten to that point? Because I know for me, Throughout law school, I've had a baseline of stress and anxiety. Sure. But how do we know when it has met its, like, it's gotten to the point where we need to figure something out? Yeah, great question. So I think, you know, if the stress and the anxiousness 
continues on after the event. So for example, a huge part of what I do is speak, which is ironic because I always get really nervous about that. Um, and no matter how many times I've done a certain presentation or you know given a certain talk, I always get a little anxious and a little stressed beforehand. And that helps me to prepare, right? So I don't show yeah. up and and sound silly and you know I don't get invited back. Um, but if I were to be driving home, and you know, I notice that my shoulders are still really high, and I'm I'm still you know anxious about that. That's concerning, right? Because it's over, and I should be, you know, ready to go home to my husband and my kids and and have my night. So if the stress or the anxiousness is still going on after the event, I would say that's that's one sign that maybe you know you could reach out to get help. Um, another thing would be if the stress or the worry doesn't actually facilitate problem solving. So, you know, if I'm worried, for example, that my children are going to get sick, you know, the more I worry about that, that doesn't actually lessen their their propensity for, for getting sick, right? So if I'm spending time worrying about things that are outside of my control and that worry isn't actually changing the outcome and it's impacting my ability to focus, that's certainly a concern as well. Gotcha. Okay, so we are going to take a quick break and we will be back with Molly Rands. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. This episode is brought to you by the American Bar Association's Law Student Division. It's never too early to start exploring potential practice areas and building your network in the field. The Law Student Division provides students like you with resources and experiences aimed at helping them succeed in law school and prepare for what's next. Claim your full law student membership for just $25 by visiting ambar.org slash join. And we're back with Molly Rands. We are talking about mental health. Oh, just a quick plug. This actually May has, is it well-being month or week? Well-being week in law is May 1st through 5th. Well-being week. So I guess we probably just missed it, but it doesn't mean that you can't be well-being in this next week. So like I stated earlier, I see a lot of memes and a lot of like jokes about law school students. Prior to doing this type of work, were you in the specifically in the legal field? So I have a master's degree in counseling, and okay. shortly after I graduated, I started working with individuals who were primarily opiate dependent. So the majority of my okay. clients actually were IV heroin users. So I spent a lot of time okay. working in the field of addiction. I've worked with the chronically and the persistently mentally ill, um, those with psychotic disorders. And then I ended up coming to the bar in, I believe, 2011. And okay. so I've been working with lawyers ever since. I also do some work with the Health Professionals Recovery Program. Program. So physicians, um, pharmacists, nurses, those individuals in that type of field that are having issues with mental health and substance use as well. Um, so I've kind of found this niche in, you know, impaired professionals, so to speak. Okay. So you are doing mental well-being for the legal community. Is this stress and this, um, in some instances, addiction and dependency 
does the legal field have is that one of the factors like is it the thing that's causing us to do this is the call coming from inside the house so that's a great question. So I like to think about the well-being movement, with, which really gave us a lot of this information is happening in 2016 with these two quite large studies. And one is infamously now known as the lawyer study and one is the law student study. And the law student study looked at nearly 3,000 law students across 15 diverse law schools in the United States. And we found that students were struggling with mental health and substance use issues at rates that were much higher than the general population. Um, and not only the general population, but also other high-stress graduate programs. And, you know, we've looked at the rates of, of this. So, for example, you know, I think it was 17% of the students surveyed of the 3,000 were dealing with depression at the time. 14% were struggling with severe anxiety. Um, I think a quarter of the students fell into the category of being at risk for alcoholism, which is startling. And at the time of the study in 2016, 6% of the students surveyed had thought about suicide within the past year. Wow. So really significant. But if you look at other studies, there was a study out of Harvard in 2017 it found that of nearly a thousand students there, um, a significant percentage, like nearly 70%, I think it was 66%, indicated that the troubles they were experiencing didn't exist prior to 1L. So, you know, it seems there's wow. something happening in law school that is really resulting in, in these levels. And we find the same with the lawyer study. So 2016, Lawyer study, this study looked at 13,000 lawyers in the United States, and we found really similar statistics, right? So statistically and significantly elevated rates of depression, anxiety, stress, substance use, um, much higher than the general population wow. and much higher than other high stress professions as well. Wow, that's crazy. Do you think that the anxiety kind of segues into your law career or is it different type? Yeah, so that's that's a good question. I, you know, one of the really interesting facts from the study of 2016 that we found, the study that we had prior to 2016 was 1990. So Ooh. significant amount of time had passed before we were collecting information again about the state of well-being amongst our lawyers. And in 1990, what we thought was the longer one practiced law the greater their difficulties became. We now know it's actually the inverse. Oh, wow. Okay. That's good yeah, to know. It is. And so what we know to be true now is that the most difficult years, the highest rates of depression, the highest rates of substance use are actually those lawyers under the age of 30 or those I'm in the 35. first- oh, there okay. you go. Or those in the first 10 years of practice. Um, uh. So those young lawyers, those junior associates, and you know that really makes sense with the difficulties transitioning from law school to the practice of law- but I think that also helps to normalize the experience and, you know, mm -hmm. to help young lawyers know that, you know, it's normal for them to be experiencing some of these difficulties and it's okay to reach out and to get help. Do you think that people that come from or non-traditional students, do they exhibit the same levels of anxiety as a, a traditional student who's went straight through law school, really hasn't had life experiences or the tools to handle those experiences. Do you see a difference between the two groups? You know, I was at U of M last week speaking in a class and I had a student come up to me afterward and just comment on really the challenges that she's experienced as a student 
coming from another country and being the first student in her family to go to graduate school. And so talking about the challenges that she saw and the experience that she had and how it seemed to be different than some of her peers. And so I think, you know, you're probably onto something with just a different experience and, you know, dealing right. with that is probably something that, you know, needs to be dealt with personalized, right? Individualized. Right. Since we are, I, I heard you say that the lead, what was it? The 1990s and 2016, did Correct, you say yeah. those were? The, okay. S since you see such a large gap, are you seeing more people be a little less uh, scared to get help or make preventative measures or anything like that? Great question. So when we did the studies, both the, the law student study and the lawyer study, we found in both groups that law students and attorneys, despite their statistically and significantly elevated rates of mental health and substance use issues, they're extremely reluctant to get help. So we found with mm. students that they're really concerned about how getting help will impact their ability to be admitted to the bar. Um, and we found with attorneys that they're very worried about confidentiality. And so when we look at these two things, one of the big pushes that has will hopefully change this is that since this information, a lot of states across the country have been changing the questions on the affidavit of personal history that directly relate to treatment or diagnosis. So for example, Michigan, in February of 2021, we removed the questions that specifically related to diagnosis and or treatment and replaced those with questions from the NCBE that focused more on conduct. A lot of states mm. have done that as well. Um, and some states have gotten rid of all those questions, you know, have gotten rid of those questions completely. So we're hopeful that that reduces the stigma for help seeking, certainly, um, because right. if you're afraid to get help as a student, you know, that's going to continue on. Um, for lawyers, again, that fear of confidentiality, fear that someone will find out. And I think that's long been true with the practice of law with that mm. piece of, you know, guilt or shame that there may be an issue Secrecy. or maybe a problem. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so the more we can talk about it, the more we can come on podcasts like this and have an open discussion, the more that we can understand that wellness is is really thriving. It's not simply the absence of illness, right? There doesn't have to mm. be a problem to care about your mental health. Um, that caring about your mental health and being competent emotionally um, is integral, is essential to to being a good attorney. Um, it's good yeah. for the bottom line. You know, your clients have greater satisfaction, and it's it's really the right thing to do. So we will take a quick break, and we'll be back with Molly Rands. Alrighty, we are back with Molly Rands. So Molly, I want to segue a little bit into addiction. Well, I have ADHD. I was diagnosed in the second grade. I'm noticing via TikTok that it's becoming very popular. It wasn't until I got to law school that I knew that a lot of people were like self-medicating with Adderall just mm -hmm. to get through and things like that. Do you believe that's where the addiction starts or it's a lot of different factors? Well, I think it's a lot of different factors. I mean, we know um, from science that, you know, addiction is a disease um, like cancer or diabetes. And so, you know, there are some of us who are predisposed to, you know, having the genetic makeup for addiction. And, you know, when that gets triggered, it's a progressive disease that, you know, only has a few options to end, right? So it can end in recovery, it can end in death, it can end in incarceration. But, you know, addiction is genetic. And, you know, there are certainly factors that contribute to that, but we can't ignore that piece. 
So you said that addiction is genetic. It's not an express warranty that you're going to come to this program and you'll be able to stop. It's a process, right? Well, it depends on the diagnosis and whether it's mild or moderate to severe. You know, it's a a pretty complicated answer, I think. So, Mm. you know, it depends on if you're at a space where you know, you can manage use, um, but, you know, true addiction is unmanageable. I mean, that's the first step in the 12 Mm. steps, right? Is, you know, this is an unmanageable problem. And when we're talking about this addiction, to me, it seems I would be very scared to go to the bar to say, I have a problem. Like, do you find that? Yeah. So I think that that is the reason that we have to get out and talk so much about lawyers assistance programs, because I understand Mm. the concern with coming quote to the bar, but so much of what we do now is via, you know, telehealth and is, you know, phone and is zoom. And so actually walking into the bar is not necessarily a requirement to getting services, but Mm. also lawyers assistance programs, whether they're housed in a bar or not, right? Because some are part of their state bar, some are, you know, separate 501c3s, Whether your Mm -hmm. lawyer's assistance program is within that organization or not, it's a confidential program. So we are a confidential program. I am bound by HIPAA. I cannot confirm or deny anyone's existence without their signed permission. So if a lawyer calls me and is really struggling and having a hard time and then, you know, disappears, you know, I can't, I'm I'm not going to call up discipline (laughs) and say anything about this person, right? So it's a confidential program. And actually a lot of people feel much more comfortable calling their LAP or their lawyer's assistance program than they do like an EAP or an employee assistance program, which may be, you know, through their employer or flipping over their insurance card and calling um, just a random, you know, clinician that maybe they don't know if specializes in working with legal professionals. So, you know, it is a great question. There is concern about confidentiality, but I would just reiterate that lawyers assistance programs, specifically the lawyers and judges assistance program in Michigan is a confidential program and we don't confirm anyone's participation without their consent. Okay. Do you have any final tips or tricks for someone who is dealing with mental illness or addiction and they are in the legal field or preparing for the bar like if you just had to bottle it up to one thing, what did you what do you think they should do? I think they should, you know, not be afraid to get help, not be afraid to reach out, not be afraid to make that call. It's very intimidating. Um, I would just stress that, you know, mental health is different than mental illness. And I think sometimes that gets confused. You know, mental health uh. is, you know, caring about our mental health. We should all care about our mental health. Um, mental illness is different, right? Mental illness is not going to be cured by, you know, meditating it away or a walk in the woods. You know, those are great things to be able to do to add to our toolbox. But, you know, we have to, you know, sometimes we need to get the help of a professional who specializes in the field and can help to guide us with what is the most appropriate treatment option. Well, Molly, I want to thank you. I feel like I am equipped enough to look and see if in my state there are some type of programs through the bar that I can get mental health help. And just because I get help does not mean I have a mental illness. That's right. And deal with some of these things of anxiety. Once again, can you please restate where people can find you or where they can get this type of um, assistance? That's right. So you can find us uh, at mishbar.org. That's M-I-C-H-B-A-R dot O-R-G. And there's a drop down where you can find the Lawyers and Judges Assistance Program. We also have an email, confidential, that's contact LJAP. That's contact L-J-A-P at mishbar.org. 
Okay. Well, thank you so much, Molly, for spending your time with me. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And I think I am going to reach out to my state bars um, just to make sure everything is working because it's mental health, not mental illness. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Demario. Thank you. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find us on Twitter and Facebook, or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. Remember, U.S. law students at ABA-accredited schools can join the ABA for free. Join now at AmericanBar.org forward slash law student. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.